Hello, Blue Valley community. My name is Tanya Merrigan, and I'm the proud superintendent of the Blue Valley School District. And I want to welcome you to our second podcast of the school year, um, Unmuted. Today, I have with me two esteemed colleagues from district office, Adam Wade and Katie Collier. And we're going to talk about accelerating learning and really how the pandemic and the course of the last 18 months um, has affected education uh, in Blue Valley. So to start, um, Adam and Katie, do you each want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do here at district office? Adam, we'll start with you. Of course. Thanks, Dr. Merrigan. Uh, my name is Adam Wade. I am the Director of Academic Achievement and Accountability here in Blue Valley. Um, that means that I oversee a lot of the testing um, that gets done throughout the school year. It also means that I oversee some of the accreditation processes. So using data, figuring out how that data helps um, helps students, helps teachers, helps buildings, et cetera. That's, that's kind of my jam. Thanks, Adam. Good afternoon. Uh, Katie Collier and I am the Deputy Superintendent here in Blue Valley, and I have the pleasure of working with all of our building principals, our academic services team, all the way to our teachers. Anything that has to do with um, curriculum instruction, teaching and learning, I have the great pleasure of uh, working closely with all of those areas every day. So let's just jump right in. Um, Katie, since March of 2020 um, until now, we've seen lots of changes come about with education. You know, we've gone from remote to hybrid to in-person to mitigating factors, um, et cetera. Can you highlight maybe some high-level things around the pandemic that really have affected what's happening in our schools? So we have um, really been saying all along that with the pandemic, we want to uh, seek what did we learn from the pandemic about our students and learning and make sure that we um, deliver to them. So students have demonstrated to us that they really value choice, whether that's choice and uh, their daily lessons with teachers um, and what they complete or how they demonstrate their learning, that they uh, like to have voice in really in what it means to build their community in their classrooms or um, with different aspects of school life at their particular building and their particular level. So we've aimed to be mindful about that as we've planned this year. I think our teachers have done really a tremendous job of uh, trying to honor that with our students. Additionally, I would say that we really are mindful about the fact that certainly our emphasis when it comes to curriculum and priority standards last year, really what we emphasized in learning really requires us to very much monitor where our students are at this year in their learning and make sure that we're, we're meeting their needs. And, and if there are holes or areas that they missed in particular grades or content areas, we're trying to be mindful of that through um, the instruction that our teachers are planning for our students. Well, and that leads us right into a question for Adam. Adam, what are the typical ways that we actually do assess learning within a classroom? And are they still um, relevant today, even as we come off of this pandemic? You know, Dr. Merrigan, I think that the ways we assess students typically are more relevant now than ever before. Um, I think the reason why they're so relevant now is that, you know, we need to know where kids are, um, we need to know what they know, where they're, where they're displaying learning gaps. As Dr. Collier said, we need to be able to monitor what they're supposed to be learning. So there are a lot of different kind of components to that. I'm going to throw out a phrase here, and that phrase is formative assessment. And um, when we think of formative assessment as information 
that the teacher gains in order to help the student. It's not necessarily a typical test like we think of, you know, a state assessment or an ACT or an AP test or things like that. Because by the time we get the data back from a test like that, you know, if I'm a student and I get my, you know, ACT score, there's not a ton I can necessarily do with that information. So when we refer to formative assessment, we're thinking of like just-in-time assessment. What information can the teacher get in the moment? It might look like a one-question quiz. It might look like an exit ticket that a student completes on a note card to say, you know, we learned this today. And then the teacher can go back and go through those note cards and go, okay, wow, these kids understand it. These kids don't. That tells me blank about my instruction for tomorrow. So formative assessment, which is kind of the behind the scenes assessment, um, gaining information to help instruction, more key now than ever before. Awesome. And Adam, what are we seeing um, as we look at our overall data right now? So overall, um, you know, we are seeing that last year had had an impact on students. And, you know, while that that may not necessarily be a huge surprise, at the same time, we know that um, there are some learning gaps just due to circumstances. That, that may be greater than what we would typically see um, in a normal school year, which is again, kind of why I come back to the, you know, we need to be able to meet kids where we're at, we need to know where, they're at, where they are in terms of their learning um, so that we can figure out, gosh, how do we recover some of the learning that, that may have gone missed for whatever reason last year. Yeah, one of the things, Adam, I've heard you say before is that one of the things that I think has come out of this is that we've learned how important the teacher is, how Absolutely. critical uh, the teacher is to be with the student each and every day. Absolutely. So, Katie, now that we know that, um, what are some things that we are doing within Blue Valley uh, to, to talk about what Adam um, just mentioned of meeting students where they're at and providing those interventions that they need? So um, the first thing that I would um, offer and want our listeners to know is that we have tried to make sure that we give our teachers permission to slow down, right? This is a year, if you will, um, of recovery. And so there may be uh, times that our curriculum calls for certain skills to be taught, but we have realized um, and maybe some pre-teaching of some lessons that our students aren't quite ready for that content. So we're trying to communicate the need to slow down and back up to make sure that we're teaching prerequisite skills. Related to data that um, Adam um, is referencing, we are trying to come at it from a system response. So thinking about needs of students all across the district in certain areas. So in the area of mathematics. We're starting to help our teachers um, with some professional learning that we are, I would say, dribbling, if you will, in small bits so that it's um, easily consumable for our teachers, preparing them for um, future changes in the areas of mathematics. In the area of literacy, we have looked at, again, referencing what Adam just talked about, really screening each student, and that's elementary, middle, and we're happy to report high school this year as well, in the area of reading. So we can target uh, which students might um, have some specific skill deficits that we can look at, or some students who might be struggling at a greater capacity, or even be demonstrating characteristics 
of um, dyslexia. So we're trying to gather that information so we can intervene early. Early intervention is certainly the key. And then all of our staff have participated in professional learning just around literacy in general, in terms of the science of reading. And so that has been a major emphasis for this year as well. And then finally, um, I would say that climate and culture is really very important this year. And so we always talk about um, being mindful of really that we're wanting to take care of our students' minds and their hearts, if you will. So we wanna make sure that we're connecting, making sure students feel engaged and noticed at school and that um, we really have relationships with our students. Our teachers do an amazing job. And so why is that important? We always say when students have research shows, when students have at least one meaningful deep connection with an adult at school, it increases their motivation and then ultimately has a positive impact on student learning. And so that overemphasis of relationships is really important. And again, our teachers are doing a great job to seek to connect and get to know the students that they see every single day in their classrooms. I couldn't agree with you more about our teachers. You know, I've had the pleasure of being out in buildings the last 10 days or so and uh, to see the engagement between our students and our teachers and uh, them truly, I got to see in action what Adam talked about, them doing formative assessment, them meeting students where they were at uh, in order to move that learning forward. One of the terms that we've used a lot this year as we've um, transitioned into this year is that we are accelerating learning. Mm -hmm. So Adam, do you want to tell us a little bit about what we mean when we say we're accelerating learning? Does that just mean we're going really fast? No, that's not at all what it means. And in fact, um, you know, you may hear the term accelerate and then you may hear Dr. Collier saying we're, we have permission to slow down and you may go, oh my gosh, well, what does that mean? Those, that seems contradictory. But the idea is basically this you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast, right? You have to be able to go slow. You have to be able to take the time, identify where the learning gaps are and how to address those learning gaps before you can actually move forward and, and figure out what those next steps are. So in my mind, accelerating learning really consists of three things. It's slowing down to going to be able to eventually go normal speed or go faster. Two, it's knowing where that gap is, knowing where the gaps are for students and figuring out how to address those. And three, it's a matter of focusing on, you know, uh, Dr. Collier mentioned priority standards earlier. I think that's the third piece here. Priority standards are a huge focus in accelerating learning. Um, when we talk about a priority standard, we're talking about, you know, given that there are, you know, eight or nine standards in, in a typical, unit or or whatever for students what are the things that absolutely we need to measure the most often in order to ensure that students are not only going to be successful this year but in the future very good anything to add there dr collier this notion of accelerated learning um, really came from us wanting to help our students develop a growth mindset they may not have learned it yet they may not have mastered it yet but they will get there uh, by setting their own personal learning goals, by being aware of uh, the targets they have yet to learn, by being willing to decrease perhaps their own frustration or anxiety with something that they're working on school, trying to uh, help students break down large tasks into smaller tasks. Uh, again, that's trying to bring some positivity to the school year during times that are still very 
difficult and challenging uh, for students and families. And so again, just uh, accelerated learning, trying to help develop further growth mindset. You know, as we are winding down our time today, what if a parent is listening to this and they're thinking, gosh, I am concerned about my child. Um, I, I feel like uh, they have some deficits or, or they're struggling. What is it that a parent could and should do? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one first. Um, I, you know, I think that the number one thing that, that a parent should do in that situation is reach out to the teacher. Um, you know, I, I think the teacher knows the student as a learner in that class better than any other adult in the building would, right? The teacher is the one living that experience every day. So you can reach out to the teacher and say, hey, here's something I'm noticing at home, blank. What do you think about that? Is that something you're noticing in class? You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong uh, for a parent to even say like, you know, what, what is your data telling you, you know, about my students' abilities in literacy or math or, or whatever. We, we in Blue Valley view education as a partnership and that dialogue between the, um, the parents or the guardians with alongside the teachers um, in order to help the students best succeed are just absolutely key. Awesome. Anything to add, Dr. Collier? I would just uh, mention the, the power of what we refer to as self-attribution, right? So also involving the students in the conversation. You know, what went well for you today at school? Where do you feel good about your performance this week? Um, name um, an area that you feel strong and confident in at school. And that could be a whole myriad of things, social, emotional, or academic in nature. So just to, again, involving the student so that when the parent does reach out to um, that teacher first, they're able also to share the student's perspective in that as well. So we would just encourage that too. Very good um, advice and suggestions. So I want to thank um, Adam Wade and Katie Collier for being with me today and for talking about uh, what we are doing within Blue Valley to accelerate learning and really to um, help our students to be successful and take them wherever they're at right now and to help them uh, to move forward. So out there in Blue Valley land, I hope everybody has a great day and we will talk to you soon.